0: On film, I'm Drew. I'm joined today by Scott. Hello there. And this is our Compare and Contrast episode for March of 2020.
1: It is. So I, I don't know why I stopped dead there.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Again, these slots they don't often have any uh, particular reason for why we picked the films we did, but basically more or less it, it an excuse to watch Gemini Man. And then we thought, well, what would work with that? John Claude Van Damme's double impact. John Claude Van
1: Damme works with everything. <laughs> yes, um, John Claude like, Van Damme is the new
0: black. Am I allowed to say that? I don't think I am. To be honest, uh, yeah, as I says, John Claude Van Damme does go with everything. It could be quite easy for it to make it three months in a row with John Claude Van Damme films in our compare and contrast slot, and we um, will. Yes, because well, he's great. <laughs> uh, so, basic premise of these films is one actor playing two roles. Or sort of in the case of Gemini Man. Hmm. Yeah. That one's a bit the Jews a bit out in the bottom. Well that counts as quite the same thing. Yeah. I suppose we yeah. could have went with um something like
1: was it Dead Ringers, the Jeremy Irons ones for the uh for you know, for well, somewhat was, more credible ones, but I think we'd go for the more shocky action uh, route for this one.
0: Yeah. Weirdly that that was absolutely in my mind, Scott, just a couple of days ago. It's like because I wanted to extend this to a three-film podcast because I wanted to watch Jean-Claude Van Damme act with Dennis Rodman. It's got nothing to do with it, though. I just <laughs> wanted an excuse to finally watch that film, um, Double Team from 1997, but Dead Ringers would have been more appropriate. No, just to Uh So, uh, before I witter too much more, let's just start. As decisive and abdominal observed on DG Format's, um Three Feet Deep Scott... In a pose similar to Jean-Claude's Superman pose in the poster as both men playing his own twin brother in the blood. Whatever <laughs> that actually means. But It's a reference to Double Impact. Yes. Ah, there we go. I have no idea what my point is, but I often have no point as part of my anti <laughs> right, uh, Yeah,
1: Double Impact in which this 1991 joint uh, reunites Jean-Claude Van Damme, the noted kick-punch man, and Sheldon Letitch, the writer and director of previous JCVD joints like uh, Bloodsport and Lionheart, and a perhaps surprising number of subsequent ones in the wilderness of, era of JCPD's career. Uh, let's see if diminishing returns set in early. Here, after the opening of the Victoria Harbour Tunnel in Hong Kong, the part owner of the construction firm is followed home and killed by a triad ambush alongside his wife. However, their maid is able to escape with one of the tiny twins, Alex, leaving the other to be raised in a Hong Kong orphanage run by French nuns. The other, Chad, is whisked to America by bodyguard Frank Avery. Joffrey Lewis Who raises him to be Ironically enough Something not too dissimilar To the chads The modern day Incels are all angsty about Both twins Are of course Played by JCVD As adults Not babies That would be weird That seems like an Adam Sandler film, (laughs) doesn't it? (laughs) Yes. Here things come to a head 20-odd years later when Frank has finally tracked down Alex, who appears to be running a Mahjong parlor and small-time smuggling outfit in Hong Kong, and comes clean to Chad about their tragic family history and their now shared need for vengeance. Off they pop to HK, where the two brothers don't initially take to each other, and some understandable confusion with Alex's girlfriend, Helena Shaw's Daniel Wilde, doesn't help. This tension will simmer throughout as they B-plot to the affair. Well, I say B-plot. We'll get to that. The main order of business is, of course, revenge against the powerful triad-backed businessman slash drug baron, Alan Scarfs. Nigel Griffiths. Screenwriting note. Never name your villain, Nigel. His... Also his pervy bodyguard, Corian Everson's Kara, and also them, their triad goons. Main threat, of course, being the imposing Bolo Young's Moon. And I don't think I'm being too unfair to say there's not a great deal more to the plot than that. Basically alternating action sequences and some scenes of fratricidal bickering before settling their differences for the final assault on, of all things, a cargo ship. So, there's not really an A plot and a B plot here. It's all C plot. Perfunctory at best, to the point that even if we are the type to excuse this on genre grounds, this still isn't going to be a classic. But those action sequences, I have to say, I'm quite fond of. It's not genre-defining or anything, but it's solidly handled, and JCBD knows how to kick people. And there's quite a few stylish captures of said kicking. There's a touch more gunplay in here than the previously mentioned JCBD Let Team Ups, and fittingly enough, given the location, it seems he's borrowed heavily from the John Woo heroic bloodshed style of pistols akimbo diving and rolling. It's not a patch and a master, of course, but it's all perfectly serviceable. The technology of the time didn't allow for an awful lot of technical trickery, and the composite shots of the two JCVDs used here is uh, well, has possibly suffered somewhat in the transition to HD as the remaster makes them look quite bad. Uh, But on the positive side, the said lack of technical trickery has made for much more convincing action scenes, so that's nice. More on that in our next film. As for the whole portraying two different characters thing, while no one's putting him forward for an Oscar, JCBD's doing what he needs to do here. Alex lets him explore a somewhat more villainous, or at least morally flexible character than we'd seen from him previously, and his initially somewhat goofy Chad persona is also rather more animated than we'd seen from him. Not that he's a revelation, Alex drunken throws of angst borders on the laughable, uh, but he does enough to show here that he's a bit more flexible as an actor, albeit still not as flexible as his body. Double Impact is very dated, of course, and while they just don't make action movies like this these days, they did, however, make a metric ton of them back in the late 80s to the early 90s, and while I enjoyed this quite a bit, it's still right in the middle of a very crowded pack. That makes it a little difficult to recommend pulling this film in particular out of the vault, as opposed to, say, the John Woo or Bruce Lee joints that this liberally steals from, but if you did happen across it uh, on
0: a trip through television land, I'd
1: certainly not advise against watching it what do you make of this one
0: then? I, I'm trying to remember if I'd even seen this before. I think so, but it's been a while. Uh, it feels very 80s, doesn't it? Yes. It's a 1991 film, but it, it really feels like an 80s film.
1: Yeah, it's the last gasp of that uh, era of action films, really, isn't it?
0: What stands out here is, I mean, we've mentioned that a couple of times before, I've kind of touched on this general area, that even from like Bloodsport, so 86 Bloodsport? Sounds about right, yeah, yeah. Um, even just in a few years from now, it, JCVD. Well, he's not a great actor. Although he certainly become much more watchable a bit later on. And by Mm the time of JCVD, the um, that's film, not the man. He's just he's loosened up so much from just Bloodsport just a few years earlier, and he's clearly having a lot of fun here. Yeah. The the slightly I guess slightly effeminate. Which one's the one in LA? Is that that's Chad? Chad. (laughs) Um, Yes. I don't I, I must have not been paying full attention to at the start of the film because for ages trying to work out which one of them's called Frank oh wait he's the man with the moustache <laughs> right just, really, uh, yeah Chad slightly fair but like with his you know, pink polo shirt and his very tight shorts but then making fun of him wearing his silk underwear and stuff And he's yeah. you know, there's just a wee bit of kind of self-deprecation in there and he's he's having fun with it he's clearly he's very stiff in Bloodsport yeah whereas he's loosened up a lot here, he's he can deliver a funny line. You know, he's he's quite decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes a big difference. It's, it's not a great film. But it's still entertaining enough, and honestly, for the year and the budget, the special effects aren't that bad. I've seen worse. Mm. Again, maybe we'll come to some of those. But yeah. <laughs> it's just not the strongest plot, which is a bit of a problem. The, the villain's terrible, and... The film has Bolo Young, and he's barely in it. It's yeah. a bit of a waste of Bolo Young. Yes,
1: I think they had him for like two
0: days or something. You <laughs>
1: just need to get all that yeah. done. Yeah.
0: Although, what I am impressed by is is really um, high tech, very forward looking light technology, a light switch technology in 1991. <laughs> because there's a point where Bolo Young kicks Jean Claude Van Damme in the chest when they're fighting in the boiler room in the ship at the end, or the cargo area. Mm. And it turns the lights on really, really high. Yeah. So it's gloomy, gloomy, gloomy. Kicks Jean-Claude Van Damme in the chest. Floodlit. <laughs> yeah. Which is a curious place to keep your remote control for the lights. But okay. Because I'm just trying lots of different technologies in the early 90s. <laughs> it's definitely not one of Jean-Claude Van Damme's more interesting films. Well, I mean, I guess it was interesting. Maybe not one of these better ones. But it really does show... Uh, progress. I think that's perhaps the most interesting thing. If you're interested in his work at all, you really do see him improving as he goes along. As I say, loosening up, being an actor more than, or at the very least, an action star more than simply a kicky man, which is basically how he starts off. Um, and he likes to blood sport and what it's like. He's a man who kicks and probably best that he sticks to kicks and doesn't speak and i'm honestly surprised he ever went on like you wouldn't have thought that i think yeah a few years earlier you'd have thought that he would be given roles where he was not asked to speak a lot
1: yeah yeah he's certainly come as you mentioned he's, he's, he's done quite a long way uh from his initial ones and he's he he displays a lot more charisma than he did and that helps this film uh it's a perfectly fine film. I probably enjoyed it more than I should. Um, mm. it's, a, it's a nice cheesy slice of action, but it's yeah, I don't like to fall back on that, but I think it's one of these ones that's probably best for genre fans only. Um, if, you, if you're not kind of already um, got some sort of affinity for Jean-Claude or this kind of era of action films, then perhaps there's not an awful lot to recommend to it other than that. But um, but I thought I had a perfectly fun time
0: watching it. So Yeah, it's not a classic of the short by any means, but if you're if you're on like a JCVD trip and you come across that you're probably not going to be particularly disappointed. Yeah. It's just that well as I we said before Jean-Claude Van Damme roundhouse kicking people in the face is not something that will ever lose its charm. No. <laughs> it's something it should
1: be in most um, houses of parliament or the equivalent of just <laughs>
0: Sorry, I've got nothing to say to that. I'm just <laughs> daydreaming about Boris Johnson being very kicked in the face. and all that. He'd be the perfect target. His hair would go floppy. It'd be a like, like really good slow motion. But uh,
1: better watch out. Don't want to get arrested by the cops.
0: Uh-huh. Will we move on to someone trying basically the same shtick with a heck of a lot more technology on hand a few years later, Scott? Yes. So we're talking, of course, about Gemini Man. Yes. The phrase, development hell is almost certainly overused, and whether that's appropriate for Ang Lee's Gemini Man isn't clear, as didn't get made for a while is not necessarily equivalent to a hellish journey. (laughs) Objectively, though, the project has been around for 20 years. 30 different lead actors have been attached. (laughs) From the entirely viable Jason Statham, Tom Cruise, Nick Cage, to the you should probably lay off the coke, and Jerry Bruckheimer isn't even involved yet. Al Pacino, <laughs> Sean Connery, and Nick Nolte. Um, and it has passed through the hands of eight writers, so bloody mess is probably a dead cert at least. <laughs> yeah. The story is that of Henry Brogan, Will Smith, a hitman with the mad skills, working for the USA's Defence Intelligence Agency which I was surprised to find is actually a real thing and not something simply created for this film, (laughs) who decides to retire after his most recent hit doesn't go as smoothly as he would have liked. His victim in that job was not, as he was told, a terrorist, but someone working for the US government who was being taken care of as a loose end. After being told this, Henry himself now becomes a loose end and his assassination is ordered. After the first attempt fails, he flees to Colombia with former colleague Baron, Benedict Wong, and to new acquaintance Danny, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, a DIA operative initially tasked with tailing Henry and bit her further loose herself. The matter of Henry's elimination is now being handled by Clay Veris, Clive Owen, Henry's former trainer and the head of Gemini, a paramilitary corporation. The hitman he sends after Henry? Well, he's Clay Jr. Veris' son, who (laughs) is in fact a clone of Henry. Well a clone except for the fact that he's a moron, and is almost comically uninterested for a good hour of the film in the fact that his target looks and sounds more or less identical to himself. (laughs) After discovering Junior's provenance, we are treated to a number of scenes in which the fresh prince and the slightly stale prince fight each other, (laughs) often in dark-lit environments where it's difficult to impossible to keep track of who's who, so, you know, super worthwhile. (laughs) There's some more plot after that, but as it's largely daddy issues for characters with no actual character and some tepid action sequences, I'll leave the plot recap there. To be fair in terms of how I felt watching it, Gemini Man isn't entertaining enough action thriller, provided you don't think about it. You will think about it. This will be a mistake. Yes, it's a film best watched sort of with your eyes half shut so you don't see a lot of things. (laughs) Setting aside the generic, insipid dialogue and underwhelming plot, there are a number of interesting ideas that Gemini Man could have explored, brought about by Varys' actions and his stated reasons for them. The morality of cloning and the eugenics he employs. The idea that it's okay to cause grief in the people murdered in other countries as long as no American family needs to suffer it paramilitary corporations in general. The fact that his idea is to create a super soldier clone to protect the USA and its values and that the actor playing the man to be cloned is black with all of the inherent issues that brings with it. I wouldn't typically look for such depth in an action film like this but well when it's directed by Ang Lee I expect quite a bit more and there's just nothing there. And the one thing that I would have expected, nay, demanded, even the most journeyman of filmmakers to address in a film with this plot is nature versus nurture. And it does, I guess. And the answer is it's all nature. 100%. No (laughs) nuance. Henry knows 100% of Junior's experiences and feelings because they have identical genes. Bloody Double Impact managed it better. A film from the screenwriter of Rambo 3 and Bloodsport and co-written by JC Beattie himself <laughs> at least touches on the fact that its gene-sharing heroes have similar abilities and potential but different temperaments and personalities thanks to their upbringing. The problem is that Gemini Man seems more tech-showcased than a film and that's because that's exactly what it is and yeah. what it was conceived as in the 1990s. And given how common CGI characters are now and how many DH stars we've seen just in the last couple of years, if that's your USP, then it better be damn flawless. It just isn't. To be fair, a lot of Weta Digital's work in the film is pretty good, but sometimes the CGI double, based on motion capture work from Smith himself, just looks wrong. We're not talking Peter Cushing and Rogue One bad, but by 2019 standards it's often pretty ropey and not held by a number of dodgy green screen shots, And some of the action sequences, particularly with the CGI character making quick movements, call to mind Blade 2, and, you know, not in a good way. Mm. As for Will Smith, he's a reasonably engaging and charming presence as Henry, but is out of his depth on the few occasions he's called on to deliver heartfelt emotion, or some of the junior version's angst. Clive Ode, pleased as I am to see him, is largely squandered, His is not a notable villain, and while Winstead and Wong provide solid support, like Owen and Smith, they're not really rounded characters. All told, it's a pretty mediocre experience. Not awful enough to get upset about, but pretty unmemorable.
1: Yeah, I was a bit disappointed with this. I'd let myself get my hopes up a little bit because of Ang Lee's attachment to it, but um, I I like Will Smith. He's engaging enough, and to be fair, when I was watching it... it it just about got by on Will Smith's charisma. He can, I think, he's still likable enough that he can pull off the grizzled act, and he can still remember his Fresh Prince days, as you say, to get the kind of the younger one going. Um, and th- when they're riffing off each other, for the most part, it was all right. What I can't forgive, I, I even thought most of the de aging stuff wasn't. Too dreadful, Um, certainly when it's the kind of more static shots when they're actually when you pay more attention to it. But what I can't forgive is just how awful all the action scenes looked. Like, every single one of the action sequences in this is absolutely dreadful. Uh, I felt like I was watching, you know, the first wave of Matrix knockoffs back in 2000 when those started coming out. It's that level of just unreal, uncanny valiness of the way everyone was moving all the way throughout it and it just looked absolutely awful. It's like they spent, allocated about 90% of their budget to the de-aging and forgot oh away. Yeah, at some point we actually need to shoot some action sequences as well and yeah. they looked dreadful. That's
0: and exactly the thought. I had Scott, sorry, just that um, mm-hmm. it felt like it was a lack of budget, either monetarily or in terms of time but that They focused more on one thing and didn't have enough time to polish up the other stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happened. It just does not look good. Uh, (laughs) And as a... You, know, you can argue back and forward, I suppose, as whether that's the actual best way to, to use your money on it. But um, I think they've they've erred a bit too far in that regard. Uh, they've clearly not been able to achieve quite what they were looking to do on a technical level. So even if you are just viewing this as a technical showcase, I think it fails. It may be just about passes in one regard and you know, botches the actual basics of it that would make it a somewhat entertaining film. And... I'd more or less be repeating what you're saying about the rest of it about the plots, it's just too underdeveloped um, it, It's there's a lot of good concepts in here that presumably at some point were written by one of the eight or nine writers or however many people wound up doing it in the end and all of those just kind of got um, atrophied and not really explored in any depth. I agree completely about Clive Owen as well, I, I like the guy a lot and he also has elements of being one of those, the kind of great villains where he's he's doing something fairly monstrous but you know he's doing it for what he at least considers to be the correct reasons he thinks he's the good guy in all of this um, and that can make for some compelling uh, villains in film but this one, yeah not really because it's never quite explained well enough or often enough as to why he's doing this and it's all a bit thrown together in the end mm. and yeah there's multiple aspects of what you've uh, like I say, Nature versus Nurture and all these other kind of elements That could have been brought into it That kind of sort of are for like 30 seconds at a time before they're forgotten And it's frustrating because it just reminds you That you could have done an awful lot more With this film than you actually have Which is an underwhelming action film And um, Just about gets by on Bill Smith's charm That's really its only selling point at the minute It's was Just about Watchable enough that I didn't feel angry at the end of it, yeah. but um, yeah, the the more you think about what this could have done with, not even major revisions, especially after all this time, the absolute dearth of effort that's went into those ideas and botching the basics of it. The action of it makes it quite hard to even think about recommending this. Um, I didn't hate it when I was watching it, but it's one of these films. The more that you think about it, and the more you discuss it, the less impressive it becomes. And it wasn't all that impressive to start off with.
0: I think the biggest issue I have with it is is Ang Lee. Uh,
1: Yeah, you expect
0: much more. Yeah, I mean, this is a man that did *Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon*. You know, you can do action film with emotion. (laughs) Yeah, and with right. characters and yeah, yeah um, help, personalities. Yeah. And I know he's not involved in the script. It had been through so many people, but it's like, yeah, but exactly. Angley exactly the sort of person who should have enough clout to be able to like impose something. It's like, going to go away and rewrite this bit, you know? Yeah. give me better. Yeah. I'll just work with the actor on the set or something. And he, I didn't hate it. And I was, I was reasonably enjoying it from the start. It's just it's moving on I'm Will Smith's Quite decent. It's, it's honestly the only bits that I had an issue with Will Smith himself was those when he confronts Junior in the catacombs, and he's talking and he said, like, "Because we've got the same genes, I know every single thing about you because that's how yeah. humans work.
1: Do you somehow have exactly the same nightmares as me for some reason? Yes, because of a childhood trauma I had that you didn't, or something like that. You know, it's, yeah. It's again just not well
0: written." I was always on the edge waiting for them to bring up some sort of genetic memory. nonsense. Unfortunately, they didn't do that. But but yeah, in there, when he's talking about, he's trying to be anguished and stuff. I was like, yes. He just, whether it was just this film or something, I'm not sure, because I couldn't really bring to mind much that Will Smith would do in that, or has done in that regard, but he just couldn't really do, give any weight to that idea that he was like anguished and troubled and stuff. Yeah, the rest of it, he's charming. up Will Smith, I've always liked him, but uh, I was quite enjoying the film up until the point that Junior appears at first, and mm. then Will Smith, because he's not no idea what. Uh, Henry has no idea what to expect, and he sees this guy. and kind of think, oh, his face looks incredibly familiar, and he's shouting out to him like, "Did you look? Did they send you a picture of the person?" <laughs> yeah, you looked older. <laughs> okay, do uh, you have mirrors in
1: your? in your training facility? Do you have any mirrors? Do you know what you look like? Yeah, are you like a dog? If you put yourself in front of your reflection, do you're confused and think it's a separate person? And the
0: voice is identical like, yeah, yeah, okay this character's a and moron, and it's just really badly written, it makes no sense. So that's the point where I really started to go, oh oh dear, and then <laughs> Oh, you're a stupid film. Yeah. right? And then that, the action sequences after that I don't think I'm quite as down on them as you are for a lot, but there were bits and pieces of them, as I'm. the Blade Two bit I mentioned. I'm sure you know the bit I mean Scott, but a friend bless them. You know, in particular in Blade Two, the fight in front of the floodlights, the spotlights, yeah, it, it looks really, really terrible. Yeah the the motion sequences aren't a million miles away from that. Yeah, you know, the yeah they're, they're pretty bad. Yeah, really like not like humans move. It, it looks terrible, and there are quite a few of them, and then. Like, for the most part the close ups are really quite good. I was like looking at the like, even just like the shadows inside ears and stuff and, like yeah, for the most part really good job, but just occasionally like the first time you actually see a real close up of Junior when he's sitting on the bed with Clive Owen behind him and he's patched up mm. his injuries like that looked rotten.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but the fact that it's so inconsistent it really makes me think it's I said either run out of time or running out of money to fully polish everything. Um, yeah. Although it's not that much of a loss because the film doesn't deserve to be polished. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not a turd, but it's just it's just so <laughs> mediocre at best. It's turd esque. <laughs> yeah. So I had been quite looking forward to it. again because of the director and because of Will Smith and it, mm-hmm. kind of like an interesting idea. But I th- the weird thing is, I think double impacts the better film. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> it, it
0: really is. So that will wrap us up
1: for today. Thank you very much for your attention. If you'd like to get in touch with us for this or any other reason, then please do so. You can do so on Twitter at FudsonFilm, Facebook.com slash FudsonFilm, or the emails at podcast at FudsonFilm.com. We'll be back with you very soon, but until that time, please take care of yourself and each other. I'll see you, and I'm sure Drew shall say goodbye in some form too.